It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Kelly Dorfman is a health program planner and nutritionist with 29 years of clinical experience. Her specialty is developing nutrition and lifestyle strategies to address some complex health problems from autism to bone loss to rare genetic disorders. And physicians and other medical professionals refer cases to her for insight when traditional methods don't seem to work. And she's joining us today to talk about her latest book, What's Eating Your Child? The Hidden Connections Between Food and Childhood Ailments, Anxiety, Recurrent Ear Infections, Stomach Aches, Picky Eating, rashes, ADHD, and more. And she's joining us today. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Good, Amy. And yourself? Good, thanks. So food, is that it? Is food the culprit of a lot of the maladies our children face? I believe it is. I mean, clearly it's not responsible for all that ails you, but I would like to put it closer to the front of list of considerations when something is going wrong. Right, right. Well, I know obviously one of the things right now that 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 is top of mind for everybody is gluten intolerance and celiac disease and you know how many kids do you think are wandering around innocently eating gluten and it and problems are happening that their parents haven't put the two and two together yet that's an excellent question in my experience quite a few of them and the symptoms are not benign symptoms very often it can be quite serious and often result in expensive trips to specialists, and it's not just GI things. It's neurological problems like headaches and uh, mood problems and tiredness, so it's definitely worth exploring. So so headaches and tiredness, but what are some other things? You know, um, obviously it is some, some tummy troubles as well, but for if a child, if a family was concerned and they removed gluten from their child's diet, what might be some of the instant things they would see change? Well, if the child's not reacting poorly to gluten, Amy, they probably wouldn't see much of anything. Not everybody does badly with gluten. Okay. But if you have a lot of mysterious symptoms, usually we're looking at behavior, learning problems, and physical issues. Those are the three categories that we're watching in children. So if you've tried several doctors and there's a lot of vague complaints and your child likes gluten-based foods, and I should probably remind your listeners that those are foods that come from grains. Wheat contains gluten. All wheat contains gluten. But there's also gluten in other foods like barley, rye, and spelt. Right. I know some hidden sources in a lot of, in a lot of processed foods as of well. Of hidden, yes. Yeah. So, so Johnny is struggling at school, and they can't really put a finger on it, and it's not as intelligent, do you think, trying a gluten-free diet for a while and seeing what happens? Well, that would be one strategy, but if you look through the book, you can see that gluten is not the only thing that bothers kids. So the first thing to do, I think, is to become aware of what your child is actually eating and what the possible weak areas might be. So parents try to feed their children well, but you know how it is. Life gets in the way. There's all kinds of soccer games and ballet practice and PTA meetings and late nights at the office. And before you know it, you're doing a lot more junk food and on-the-road eating than you want. So parents think that they're giving their kids good foods, but very often they don't realize that a recent study found that 40% of kids' diets are junk food. Oh, my gosh. snack foods. Yeah, they're just snacking, snacking, snacking. So write down what your child's eating and really get to know the habit of their diet. And then it might just jump out on you. I mean, parents hand me the diets that the kids are uh, eating all the time and say, you know what, they're eating too much sugar. Yes. I know the answer to the question. Or I didn't realize that there was so much juice or... Um, gosh, that's, uh, he guzzles milk. And that might give you a place to think. 
Well, you know, sugar, obviously sugar people will always say, oh, we don't want the kids all wired up on sugar. Are there other things, behaviors or or circumstances that our kids can experience from too much sugar? Oh, that's a very good question. And people tend to think of the wiredness as the only symptom, and that's the symptom that's the loudest, as it were. But some kids get tired and just cranky. Just like don't have any zip and zippity doodah, so to speak. They're right. kind of like, eh, and drabby because the sugar takes up space that would be used for high nutrient food. And so they end up being mildly malnourished because they have a lot of empty calories, uh, that, that is, calories without nutrients attached to them instead of food they need for growth and development. Now, you know, I would never be an advocate of taking away from kids, you know, treats. But I think if there's, if your child has a sweet tooth, what are some things you might suggest to try and ease them away from the, the straight out sugar? You know, what are some foods that might satisfy that, that a parent could substitute? Right. And I think that that's something important to think about because you don't want to be the Grinch that stole Christmas no. all the time. However, there seems to be so many excuses for sweets that the amount that kids are eating is way beyond any level of reasonableness. So the first thing I suggest parents do to cut down sugar is get rid of sweet drinks because studies have now found that 50% of sugar consumption in kids comes from sweet drinks. Those are the juices and the the Gatorade, all those sports drinks and things. So if you just cut those down and don't even take away a cookie, you already have cut their sugar consumption in half. That's a great tip. And, you know, I have to tell you something funny. We were on a road trip recently, and we ordered uh, beverages from a drive-through fast food restaurant. I ordered diet, but I was given a glass. I am not kidding you. I almost had to put both my arms around it. It was like the size of a tree trunk. And I looked at my husband and I said, first of all, it wouldn't fit in the cup holder. And, you know, I looked at my husband and I said, and, you know, if a little kid is getting this as Sprite or Coke, I, you know, that is enough sugar for a whole month for them, isn't it? Yeah. It's true. My husband and I had the same experience at the movie theater. We were watching the X-Men, the new X-Men movie. Yeah. And this child that was six years old was tottering under the weight of their drink. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that is just, don't do that, parents. But then if you think you're being all good and letting them have all the apple juice they want, well, I think we all are aware that that's a a nutritious nightmare, nutrition nightmare uh, as well. But, well, okay, so sugar, we talk about gluten, ear infections. It seems like so many kids have ear infections and can be plagued by them. And for parents of young kids with that, that can really affect your lifestyle. I mean, they're missing school and, you know, not feeling well and cranky. Any hidden mysteries there? Well, that's true. I I think there's two very important mysteries when it comes to ear infections. One is that 90% of them, according to one study, are related to nutritional problems, mainly that children are eating something that's bothering them, and when they removed the foods that were bothering these kids, uh, 90% of them, the ear infections went away, and when they added the food back, they came back. That was the first big shocker. The second big shocker is that Although you think, well, my kids are five or six or seven, and they don't have ear infections anymore, so I don't have to listen to this part of the segment, you, you probably want to think about it because it turns out that kids who have a lot of ear infections go on and, as a group, are more distracted. And so they end up being diagnosed with ADD and other kinds of distractibility problems because the ear infections happen when their auditory processing system was developing, and that gets distorted because of the ear infections. Wow. 
That's an amazing bit of information. So don't let these ear infections go on with your young child. Get to the root of it right away. Are there common foods that create this problem, or it depends on the child? That's that's an important point to bring up. Of course, it depends on the child, but in this study, they found that four foods were responsible for some combination, and by far the primary food is uh, dairy products or the dairy protein, uh, casein, uh, followed by soy because soy protein is similar in chemical structure. And then occasionally you'd see some egg trouble or some gluten trouble, but mostly it's dairy and soy. Wow. You know, it's so funny. My my family doctor is quite progressive, and, and that's why we love her. But it seems like every time we go in and something's wrong, she goes, drop the dairy, drop the dairy. <laughs> and she's probably right, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, she probably is. She's probably is a busy person because it's great to find a doctor like that. Oh, yeah, she definitely is. She's, she's very cool. So oh, one last thing before I let you go, and we just got a second for it, ADD and ADHD Foods might be responsible for some of that? Well, I don't know that foods cause ADD per se, but if you take a person who's prone to attention problems and then you give them a diet that doesn't suit them, it really does throw a monkey into the works. And so I think that ADD comes from a lot of factors, and food is definitely a factor that fits into this equation. And we know that kids with ADD and ADHD in particular are more sensitive to certain kinds of foods uh, than other kids. For example, we know there's a subgroup of kids, not all of them, with ADHD who respond poorly to food colorings, artificial food colorings. Ah. Not everybody, but, but you have to find out if your child is one of these kids. And I think that's been part of the problem with nutrition research. We try to make it all or nothing. Like, oh, food dyes are bad for everybody. Well, they're not good for anybody, but they don't make everybody hyperactive, but it turns out they make some kids, and you have to figure out if that's your kid. And you do that by simply avoiding food coloring for a few weeks and seeing if you see a change? Yes, and the European Union just recently put a label on foods that have artificial uh, uh, colors in them that has the warning that it may affect the behavior of some children. And I think that's a very accurate description. It may affect the behavior of some children, and you should figure out if that's one of your children. Uh, you know, yes. children is one of those kids, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Any other big watch foods for, for kids with ADHD? Well, you want to look at food sensitivities in general because anything that bothers them and distracts them is just one more thing in the distractibility pile. You want to look at the general quality of their diet because, for example, you need the right kind of fats to make the brain operate. They've been doing a lot of studies on fish oils, for example, on ADHD, and they found that kids that are diagnosed with ADHD tend to have a poor quality of fat in their diet. Mm. And that giving them the right fats. In one study, for example, they gave kids for three months fish oil, and their reading, spelling, and behavior got better. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's true. You are what you eat. <laughs> That's in amazing. more ways than you can imagine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, all of this information, you know, depending on what your child, what issues you might be having with your child, this is really a go-to resource. It's called What's Eating Your Child? The Hidden Connections Between Food and Childhood Ailments by Kelly Dorfman. And I'm going to put all of Kelly's information on amystable.com, but you can also find more about Kelly at kellydorfman.com. And Kelly, thank you so much. This has been really interesting. Thank you. My pleasure. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Q! It's Amy's Table with Amy Tolman. Yeah. Q102. 
The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.